Will you please give Pastor Trav a massive round of applause? Awesome, thanks so much. Thanks Tyrone. I actually hadn't decided whether I was gonna speak on Friday night or not, but I guess I'm, I'm locked in now, so that's awesome. Uh, great to be with you tonight. Um, if you're new to Bridgman and you're wondering uh, why are they celebrating Thanksgiving, an American holiday in Australia, um, and why are they celebrating it a week early, um, I understand your thinking, um, but fortunately, our Thanksgiving uh, services today, our Thanksgiving Sunday, uh, has nothing to do with the American holiday. Um, and coincidentally, um, if you can believe it, um, it just happens to align at the similar time of the year, which is, um, which is very interesting. But uh, fear not, tonight's message will not involve themes of pilgrims and turkey, um, the food that is, or gridiron, American football, um, and I'm really sorry if you're expecting those sort of themes. I'm really sorry to disappoint you if that's why you came out tonight. Uh, I came across a quote from Tim Keller, who's the, he's the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York. And uh, this quote read that it's one thing to be grateful, it's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel, thanksgiving is what you do. Um, if you've read much of the New Testament, you'll be familiar with how often thankfulness is talked about. You know, in the Gospels, uh, Jesus, when breaking bread, and we, we, we um, did communion tonight, uh, Jesus, when he broke bread and took the cup, always gave thanks to God. Uh, Paul, in his letters, tells the recipients to always give thanks. Um, the Greek verb for this is a word called eucharisteo, and uh, it means to, to give thanks. And it appears in various forms 38 times in the New Testament. Now, to put that into perspective a little bit, the, the verb for uh, to forgive appears 23 times, which is a, a very major Christian theme, um, whereas the verb to praise appears eight times. So clearly, there's something really significant about giving thanks. There's something really important about it to appear 38 times in the New Testament. And also the fact that Jesus did it and Paul tells us to do it, tells us something that this is an important theme that we have to look at. More times we are instructed to give thanks to God than we are to praise God or to forgive others. And I'm not trying to say that there's a hierarchy of importance here, that, that one is more important than the other, but more so just to look at the significance of this. Uh, now, for most of us here tonight, um, I'm assuming that not all of us are, are biblical scholars or New Testament experts. You might be sitting there wondering, um, how can you talk for 25 minutes about giving thanks? Like, isn't that just the most straightforward thing in the world? You know, saying thank you. That's just so easy. You just do it. You just say the words. Um, and I, I know what you mean because, of course, saying thank you is a good thing. You know, this is something that uh, from the moment we're born, we're told is the right thing to do. You know, as babies, the moment you reach out for a toy or for food or something, you, your parents would say, oh, please, say please, and then say thank you, or ta, which is the baby version of thank you for some reason. Um, we know that that's what, you, what, that's what you do. Whenever you get a present from a relative at Christmas or for your birthday, um, I'm sure you know this look from your parents, which is raised eyebrows and kind of looking at you going, what do you say? And no matter the quality of the present, you have to say, wow, thank you. 
This is just, this is just what we do. We, we all know this. Thankfulness is good. Being ungrateful is bad. But in our, uh, our modern Western understanding of thanksgiving and the Bible's use of this word, eucharisteo, they're, they're actually widely, widely different. David Powell, an author on biblical thankfulness, describes our current conception of thanksgiving as a model which privileges the emotional sense of gratefulness in response to a certain act of kindness and the need to fulfill the debt to achieve the balance of personal relationship. In other words, we feel grateful and the need to give thanks in response to something. We feel grateful and need to give thanks in response to an act of kindness, which is both a social pleasantry, um, a sort of a social etiquette kind of thing, and also out of a desire to stabilise the personal relationship that we have. Think of this, for example. Think about if you were at the shops and a total stranger, someone you never met before, held the door open for you as you passed through to a shop um, to go into the store. Okay, you are probably fully capable of, of doing that yourself or you have means to do that. You didn't need the stranger to do that for you. But now that this person has gone and done an act of kindness for you, the social balance has shifted in this, in this little moment. You are now, not by your own choice, you are now indebted to this person and the only way out of that social you know, unbalance is to say the words, thank you. Okay, I know I'm really dumbing this down. This is common sense, I know. But if you were to walk through the door and say a stranger didn't actually open it for you and you just walked in, it would be very bizarre for you to go up to them and say thank you for opening the door for me. It would be bizarre for you to say thank you to them. That's because in our modern Western conception of thanksgiving, there's no grounds to give thanks. It would just be weird. Conversely, say you walk through the door being held open for you and you don't say thank you, a big no-no in our society. Well, the social balance has been thrown into disarray. You know, social etiquette has been well and truly violated in this, uh, in this instance. And uh, there's a real dissonance that's felt in that moment. The other person is upset because you've, you've left them hanging even though they've done a, an act of kindness for you. And uh, all because you didn't say thank you. It's, it's purely this transactional um, social expectation Thanksgiving is. And, and don't get me wrong, it's a good thing. I'm not saying don't go and do it. It's a polite thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But in our understanding, Thanksgiving is, is really a transactional social expectation. But as we're going to look at tonight, Thanksgiving in the context of God is, is much, much, much more than an exchange of pleasantries. It's much more than a social expectation. For the Christian, thanksgiving is completely and utterly God-centered. It's centered in God. It's done through remembrance of him and the acts that he's done. And it's a lifelong process. So we're gonna read from Colossians 3, 12 to 17. If you've got your, if you've got your Bible there, that's, that's great. It'll come up on the screen as well. Let's read together. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, the first distinction about godly thanksgiving or thanksgiving in the Word of God is that it is, it is completely and utterly God-centered. In fact, our verb, eucharisteo, is solely reserved for giving thanks to God. It's a sacred word. It's only ever used in the, in the context of giving thanks to God, never to man. You know, Jesus and Paul don't ever use this verb to, to give thanks to man, but always to God. And uh, at the start of the letter to the Colossians, Paul writes uh, in Colossians 1.3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. To the Philippians, Paul writes, I thank my God in my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. And then to the Romans, Paul writes, I give thanks to my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being proclaimed in the whole world. In, in all of these letters, Paul starts by giving thanks. But it's, it's almost an odd way to start a letter because Paul's not, he's not receiving any particular gift. He's not, he's not benefiting anything by introducing his letters with, a, with a, you know, a couple of sentences of thankfulness. He's not benefiting anything. If anything, it's the recipients of the letter that have reason to give thanks to God. You know, the Romans have their faith uh, proclaimed in the world. They should be the ones that are thanking God, but not Paul. And it seems an odd way for Paul to begin his, his letters. It doesn't quite make sense when you really think about it. And it's because Paul begins his letters with thanksgiving to God because for Paul, thanksgiving is an act of worship. It's actually not focused on the gifts. It's not focused on the benefits or a blessed condition. It's focused on God and God alone. And that's how he wants to start his message to the recipients of these letters. He begins his letters with worship. And what he's doing is he's turning the attention away from himself towards God. He centers his attention on God through his thankfulness. You know, to be centered on something is to be primarily concerned with that, with that one thing. And, uh, and this plays out in, in, in a multitude of ways in our lives. You know, you can be family-centered where uh, all your time and energy goes into thinking about your family and doing, you know, your life is spent family-centered. Um, you, can, you might be career-centered or work-centered where uh, all, your, all your resources and your energy goes into thinking about work. Everything you do outside of work is for work. You're, you're centered on work. Or um, as all of us know, we can, we can be incredibly self-centered. Where we, we think about ourselves all the time. We, uh, we do things which only benefit ourselves. We, we don't recognize a need for others. We, we exist purely for our own self. 
That's what self-centeredness is. And uh, the thing about self-centeredness is that whether we like it or not, uh, it's the condition we all are a part of. We're all born into it. Not even the best person you know escapes from self-centeredness. Tim Keller puts it so well. He says, there's nothing that makes you more miserable or less interesting than self-absorption. These questions of how am I feeling? How am I doing? How are people treating me? Am I proving myself? Am I succeeding? Am I failing? Am I being treated justly? Self-absorption leaves us static. There's nothing more disintegrating. He says, why do we have wars, class struggle, family breakdown? Why are our relationships constantly exploding? It's the darkness of self-centeredness. In the beginning, in Genesis chapters one to two, we're we're told and we're shown that, that we were created to live in a world where we are not at the center, despite what the world may tell us today. We're told that we, are, we were created not to live, uh, that we were created to live in a world where we are not the center, but where God is the center. And in this world, relationships are whole. Harmony uh, is, is there with God. Yet in Genesis 3, we, we see that all have chosen to go the way of self-centeredness, all have walked the path of self-centeredness away from God. We have chosen to be our own ruler. We've chosen to be our own king, to put ourselves above others and above God, to to have ourselves as our, our highest authority in our lives. But here's the thing, when we choose to focus on self and when we fail to acknowledge our dependency on God, That is where everything falls apart. It is us at the center, which is the root of all sin. It's where all brokenness comes from when we are centered on ourselves, when we live a life that is centered on self. Now God, rather than um, letting us just kind of, you know, walk this path and keep just endlessly um, walking in brokenness and, and having, you know, broken relationship with us, he, he makes a way for us. In Colossians 1, 13 to 14, says, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And this is the gospel truth, is that God sends Christ, his son, to be punished and to, to die instead of us so that we may be brought back into harmony, back into what God intended right from the beginning. We're brought back into that harmonious relationship where he is center stage. He is the center of our lives. And uh, because of him, the power of death, which is a result of sin and the bondage of sin itself is broken forever. That's the gospel truth. Um, and it is incredible, incredible truth. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 to 57 puts it perfectly. It says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks, there's our word again, be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you take uh, for a moment, if you take your modern thinking about thanksgiving, 
uh, where you assume a gift or a favor can be returned, um, you'll find yourself just at a complete loss when it comes to knowing how to address God on this matter. How on earth do you address God when he's, what can you possibly offer in return for God sending his son, for God making a way for us? What can you, what what do we have? What do we have to offer? What words can we say? We've got nothing to say to him. What can we say for him making a way for us to come out of destruction and into restoration? What do we have to offer? No human being can, can really offer anything in return to do justice to this gift. And this is the thing, Paul's thanksgiving doesn't, doesn't try to do such a thing. Paul doesn't offer thanks to, to coerce God or justify to God, um, sort of to reinstate the balance of social relationship. Instead, it is an act of submission for Paul. His thanksgiving is at the start because he's saying from the outset, God, you are the center. You are the center. I thank you for you being the center, not me, not self. It's a deep acknowledgement when we are thankful. It's a deep acknowledgement that God is Lord over everything, that he reigns above us, that he is our king. We are not our king. He is our king and he is at the center. The second uh, distinction is that that thanksgiving is done through remembrance. Uh, you might be familiar with the, uh, with the Sunday school story about uh, Moses leading the Israelites um, out of Egypt and into the promised land. And uh, God, God did indeed lead Moses and the Israelites out of the clutches of Egypt and uh, guided them to safety and protected them from the Pharaoh's army by parting the Red Sea. And uh, what came out of this incredible moment, this incredible historical moment of, uh, of God's intervention, um, what came out of it was a memorial or a remembrance um, in the form of the Passover feast. Exodus 13, 9 says, this observance, which is the memorial or remembrance, will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that the law of the Lord is to be on your lips. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. For generations post uh, this event, the Israelites would observe that take part in the Passover feast each year in order to remember how God saved them. They would, they would remember, they'd take part in this feast to remember God's goodness so that they could give thanks again to him. So they wouldn't forget. And in remembrance, their thankfulness uh, was, was, was built up, their thankfulness came about because they would take the time to remember um, on the Passover feast. Now, that was in the Old Testament. So fast forward to the New Testament and, and Jesus comes along and he, he creates this new moment of remembrance for us. And in fact, we took part in it tonight in communion. And at the Last Supper, Jesus tells his disciples to, to take the bread and the cup and eat and drink in remembrance of him. And this is, this is so critical that we remember this moment. Because the disciples, and we included, if you're a Christian here tonight, we're included in this. The disciples are called to not only observe the Lord's Supper, which is to take part in it, but to remember the new act of God. 
taking the bread and the cup is, is it's merely symbolic, but their importance cannot be understated because Jesus tells them to take the bread and the cup to remember his act on the cross, to remember his body beaten, to remember that he was, he was, he was killed on the cross and to remember that their sins and our sins are forgiven, to remember that he has conquered death. And we remember in order to give thanks to worship him. There's a, there's a deep power in remembering and dwelling on God's acts of kindness in our lives. Um, I remember uh, just over 10 years ago now when I, I came to faith uh, at the age of 16. And um, at the time, it was, it was an incredible event for me because I had grown up in a non-Christian home and um, was was incredibly cynical about anything spiritual, was really just hesitant and just like very wary of anything spiritual. And this moment happened where um, the gospel was presented and I, I just, I knew that I had to respond. And when I responded to that and said, yes, I, I need to be forgiven, I remember this incredible moment of just a physical sensation of God's love over me. And for me to even be saying this is, is crazy because at the time I was like, there is no way. Like, you know, sure, like, you know, I might believe that Jesus, from a historical perspective, Jesus came and died. But for God to do that in my life then was just incredible. And I could not deny, no matter how much I thought about it, I could not deny that God had moved in my life that night. Um, the months following, going back to school and trying to sort of fit um, into a life again, um, when you, you've been changed as a Christian, as you would know, it's just, just hard. You're kind of just trying to slot back into life and life looks incredibly different now. And, uh, and when I would have moments of unbelief and moments of, um, you know, oh, is this, am I, you know, is this all really true? You know, does, is God actually still there? I would remember that night, the prior, where God had moved so clearly in my life and it would stir my faith, it would stir my thankfulness, it would make me keep going, keep pursuing Him. And even, even 10 years on, and God has done incredible things in my life um, since then, but even 10 years on, I still come back to that moment and, and know that God was with me then and He's with me now. There's, there's incredible power in remembering the acts of God. And so I wanna, I wanna encourage you tonight to uh, remember those things, write them down or, or share them with people, you know, um, pass them down in your family, in your, in your friends group as well. Share those moments so that you don't forget what, what the Lord has done in your life. It's more than just uh, documentation. Um, it's an ability to grow in thankfulness. And, and so often we, we just move on so fast after God has done some crazy stuff in our lives and we just, we just move on to the next thing. But we need to remember, we need to uh, give thanks through remembering what he's done. Lastly, uh, thanksgiving is, is lifelong. Uh, we've read that giving thanks is an act of worship. It's enabled through remembering things in the past, but it's, it's also a call to live in light of that which is remembered. Uh, in the example of the, the Old Testament, the Torah is built around remembering mighty acts of God. To remember God and give thanks uh, is then to follow the commandments found in the Torah. 
The Torah, by the way, is the first five books of the Bible. And uh, in the Old Testament, it details how God's people should live, how they should be set apart. Uh, David Power speaks on this again, and he says, immediately after God identifies himself as the one who brought Israel out of Egypt, there came the affirmation of the one God, who says, you shall have no other gods before me. Therefore, to observe the commandments is to love God and be faithful to the one Lord. It's the act of remembering that leads to thanksgiving, which then leads to a change in personal conduct. It, it changes the way we do our lives. It changes our behavior. In this case, in the case of the Old Testament, it's to obey God's commands. Fast forward now, New Testament, and, uh, and God reveals himself through his son, Jesus Christ, who fulfills the Torah. He, he fulfills the law. The law is now uh, obsolete. It's not insignificant anymore because Jesus came to fulfill it, but it, it's now, it doesn't apply through Jesus. Colossians 2, 6-7 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The mighty act to be remembered is, is, is God giving us His Son. But unlike the Torah, we, we don't find ourselves, there's no commandments to obey. There's, not, there's no, not a manual here that we're given to be set apart from God. Instead, we are told to live in Him. That's the change in behavior. That's the change to our personal conduct is to now live in Him. And so to, to remember that Jesus has saved you, it's not simply a mental exercise. It's not just a theoretical thing. It's a lived experience. You know, the, if, you, if you've, if you follow Jesus, the old self is crucified just as Jesus was and instead we are alive to him. We are, we are resurrected with him. We are restored to him. We no longer live according to the old. This is where it changes for us. This is where our thanksgiving changes our lives because we are no longer living according to the old but according to the new. We no longer live in self, we live in him. We take part in the God-centered life, not a self-centered life anymore. That's the call to us. This is what it means to live a life of thanksgiving. It's to, it's to live in Jesus. It's to participate in his death and resurrection daily. It's to constantly put to death the, the war that uh, self wages within us to, to constantly put to death all the habits and the thought patterns and the behaviors, the actions of the past self and instead live in him. It's to recognize that he alone is worthy of all praise and to, to recognize that from him comes all things and to him all things are deserved. Uh, we have these things Thanksgiving booklets um, that were out the front. If you missed them, there, there'll be a couple out the front that you, could, you can take hold of. And uh, it's, it's incredible. It's over 50 pages worth of, uh, of remembering God's goodness from, from people within the community here at Bridgman. And it's, it's people remembering um, God's acts in their lives and writing it down. It, it's quite literally a written worship is what it is. 
And uh, I just wanted to read one really quick addition for you. This person says, God has helped me see this past year that his steadfast love never ceases. This is not because he has blessed me extraordinarily this year, though he has. These blessings are wonderful for this season, but many of them will be fleeting. He has given me something else that will never die or break or disappoint. Undeservedly, Christ died so that I can spend now and eternity with him and his people. This sacrifice, this gift of love is not dependent on my performance, but on God's loving nature. Something I will enjoy forever and is true whether I have had the best year of my life or my worst. God being our heavenly father means that he gives good gifts as well as the best gift. Incredible. And there's there's plenty more of those stories in there. God doing healing work where the impossible, where things just seem impossible, God coming through and and restoring. If you haven't had a chance to read it, I I truly encourage you to, to do so. Not to focus on the stories themselves, but to focus on the God that they glorify. And just as the band uh, come up and as we come to, to now respond to this uh, great news, to respond to this thankfulness, I pray that we are, we are stirred to live a life rooted in Jesus. We're stirred to live a life where thankfulness overflows for the past and the present and the future. That is what we are called to do, to live where God is the center where we live not according to self, but according to Him. Let me pray as we come to respond. Lord, we, we truly thank You. You give us gifts that we don't deserve, but more importantly, You gave us Your Son, which we do not deserve, did not deserve. And Lord, our response to, to You is, is to, to live now according to, to you, to have you as the centre of our lives, right as you intended. To no longer be, to be controlled by sin, to be controlled by self, which just brings anxiety and brokenness and discouragement and emptiness, Lord. We pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to live with you at the centre where we can We can know peace, we can know joy, truth. With you at the center, we cannot be shaken. Nothing can shake us. And so Lord, we come now to respond, to to dwell, Lord, help us to dwell as well. Remember your goodness in in this year and years before, Lord, help us to write those down, to tell people about them, to not let them slip away to not let the busyness of life take over, but instead give you all praise that you rightly deserve. We ask, Lord, for your help for the continuation of this year and beyond as well, great God. We are nothing without you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we just stand together as we come to respond. Psalm 141 verse two says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Uh, we're gonna sing worthy of it all, which um, has, that, has that line about incense arising day and night, night and day. And 
that's, that's thankfulness. That's our thankfulness to the Lord rising up like incense to Him. So let's, let's sing with heart. Let's sing with thankfulness overflowing in our lives. Let's do that, church.
our thanks and praise. It's a powerful message tonight and I've often wondered what, what the powerful thing about giving thanks is. And I think Trav just so clearly placed it there tonight is that as soon as we say, thank you, God, we're centering ourselves in a position saying, God, you are who you are. And we are humbling ourselves and thanking you. And there's a tremendous power. It's quite simple, but there's something that happens within our spirits and our hearts when we give thanks. And yeah, just to finish tonight, I would love just to lead us in a thanksgiving prayer. Would you join me in that? And just in your own heart, just pray with me. Just simple prayers of thanks to our great God. Is He not worthy? Is He not worthy? Let's, let's pray together. Yeah. Join me, join me. Lord, we just wanna give you thanks tonight. And the first thing, we just wanna give you thanks for the promises that we can stand upon. Thank you, God, that you are for us and you are not against us. Thank you that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Thank you that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, that you were there in the beginning. Thank you that you'll be there in the end. Maybe even in your own heart, there are promises in the Word of God that you just wanna say, thank you, God. Thank you that you know me, God. Thank you that you created me, God. Thank you that you have a purpose for me, God. Thank you for your deep love for me, God. Maybe there are things you just wanna thank God for the gift of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift we can never receive. Thank you, Jesus, that you took my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that has moved as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't hold my sin against me. Thank you, Jesus, that when you hung on that cross, you said, it is finished. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, three days later, you rose again. And because of our faith and our trust in you, Jesus, we too will rise again. Thank you, Jesus, for eternal security. Maybe there's things you just want in your own heart say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we even thank God. We thank God for the good things. All good gifts come from the Father above. Thank you for the good and the simple gifts. Maybe thank you for peace in our nation. Thank you that I can draw breath in my lungs. Thank you that we can go out for a meal in a moment. Thank you for friendships. Thank God for families, brothers, sisters, your mother, your father. Thank God for the simple things. Thank you for a job or money in your wallet. (laughs) Thank God for this church. Thank you, God, for your good gifts to us. And maybe we take a moment tonight just to thank God even for the challenges in our life. And they might even come to your mind right now. Big challenges in your life. But even in the midst of them, we say, thank you, God, that you are with me in this challenge. Thank you, God, that you are so aware of this challenge. Thank you, God, that your arms are open. You want us to trust you in the midst of the trial. Thank you, God, that you are loving me in the midst of the trial. Thank you, God, that you are growing me 
in the midst of this trial. Thank you that you're working your plans and purposes in the midst of the trial. Thank you, God, that I don't have to suffer alone. Thank you that you are with me. Thank you that I'm part of a family here. God, so many things that we can thank you for. God, you are worthy of all of our praise. You're worthy, God. We are so thankful. Help us to be a thankful people. Day by day, help us to thank you, to orientate ourselves, to centre ourselves on who you are. So Lord, we thank you. We just are full of thanks and praise. And so Lord, bless each one here. Lord, continue to build that heart of thanks in us, we pray in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. Please be seated. It's been so good to have you uh, here with us online as well. And we just got a little photo as well. We wanna give thanks for those on the Gold Coast. Maybe we get that photo up. These guys are tuned in tonight. Give them a welcome. So good to have you guys watching online. And in this moment, I just wanna really quickly pray for those. These are the team down on the Gold Coast, 50 young adults there serving. Could I quickly pray? Join me in prayer. And uh, please, over the next few weeks, let's pray for them. God, we wanna thank You for each one that's on the Gold Coast. Thank You for every life that they're ministering to. God, help them to love like You would love. Give them words to speak. Give them actions to love, to serve. Um, Lord, each one that they come across, give them strength. And Lord, we pray that You would be glorified. They would see, uh, many people on the Gold Coast would see more of You as they interact with all of the red frogs down there. We pray these things in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. Well, it's been so good to have you. Don't forget the Connections Lounge out there. There's also great burgers that you can have. Hang around for some community time. There's also the Hampers little desk there. We can get information about the Hampers as well. Have a great night. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.